The Senate both return tomorrow and will stay in session through Thursday. Last week on the House floor, the House returned to work on Tuesday and took up and passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Wednesday, the House took up and passed another two bills under suspension. On Thursday, the House took up and passed the rule governing consideration of H.R. 4863, the United States Export Finance Agency Act of 2019. On Friday, the House took up H.R. 4863, the United States Export Finance Agency Act of 2019. After considering a number of amendments, the House voted to pass H.R. 4863 by a vote of 235 to 184, and then they were done. This week on the House floor, they'll return Monday with the first vote set for 6.30 p.m. At that time, the House is scheduled to consider six bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday and for the remainder of the week, the House is scheduled to consider another nine bills under suspension of the rules. In addition, the House will vote on H.R. 1309, the Workplace Violence Prevention for Healthcare and Social Service Workers Act, and the House will vote on a continuing resolution that pushes government funding through mid-December, December 20. Last week on the Senate floor, the Senate came back to work on Tuesday and voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Chad Wolf to be Undersecretary for Strategy, Policy, and Plans at the Department of Homeland Security. On Wednesday, the Senate voted to confirm Wolf to that position. Now that he holds that position, he can serve as Acting Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. Later Wednesday, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Stephen J. Menashe to be U.S. Circuit Judge for the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. On Thursday, by a vote of 51 to 41, the Senate voted to confirm him to that position, and then they were done. This week on the Senate floor, they'll return tomorrow with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. That'll be a vote to invoke cloture on the nomination of Robert J. Luck to be a United States Circuit Judge for the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Then, based on the majority leader's cloture filings, I'd say the Senate schedule for this week is going to have more confirmations on tap. In addition to Robert Luck to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, the Senate will vote on Barbara Lagoa to be a United States Circuit Judge for the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals and Adrian Zuckerman to be Ambassador of the United States to Romania. In addition, I expect the House, I'm, I'm sorry, I expect the Senate will vote on a continuing resolution that comes over from the House. On the DACA front, on Tuesday, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case to determine whether or not the Trump administration had the authority to terminate President Obama's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. Most analysts seem to think that based on the questions asked by the justices during the arguments, the court will likely rule in favor of the Trump administration next summer when it issues its final ruling in the case. Now to the impeachment front, week eight of the House Democrats impeachment inquiry and two things happened. First, the Democrats stopped talking about quid pro quo and started talking about bribery. And second, we finally got public hearings. Democrats made the decision to change their rhetoric because polling paid for by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee showed that quid pro quo wasn't moving people and bribery might. Besides, their thinking apparently went. Bribery is actually mentioned as one of the reasons to impeach a president. The problem for the Democrats, of course, is that the bribery discussed in the impeachment clause of the Constitution is different from what the Democrats allege happened in this case. The founders were worried about foreign governments trying to bribe the chief executive, not the other way around. So it'll be interesting to see how far this gets them. On Wednesday, the House Intelligence Committee heard from former U.S. Ambassador William Taylor and Deputy Assistant Secretary of State Gordon Kent. The big news to come out of this hearing is that Taylor testified that one of his staffers told him that the staffer had overheard a phone call on July 26 between Ambassador to the European Union Gordon Sundland and President Trump, in which the president was heard to ask about the investigations, a reference to the investigations he wanted into Joe and Hunter Biden's activities 
in 2016. But the critical exchange of the five hours plus testimony was this dialogue between Republican Jim Jordan and Ambassador Taylor regarding the addendum to the testimony offered earlier in closed session by Ambassador Gordon Sunland. Jordan, quote, Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yermak on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. Now, this is his clarification. I'm going to read it one more time. Quote, Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yermak on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky, unquote. We've got six people having four conversations in one sentence, and you just told me this is where you got your clear understanding? Which, I, I mean, even though you had three opportunities with President Zelensky for him to tell you, you know what, we're going to do these investigations to get the aid. Didn't tell you three different times. Never makes an announcement, never tweets about it, never does the CNN interview. Ambassador, you weren't on the call, were you? The president, you didn't listen in on President Trump's call and President Zelensky's call? Taylor responds, I did not. Jordan says, you never talked with Chief of Staff Mulvaney? Taylor says, I never did. Jordan says, you never met the president. Taylor says, that's correct. Jordan says, you had three meetings again with Zelensky and it didn't come up. Taylor said, and two of those, they'd never heard about it as far as I know, so there was no reason for it to come up. Jordan says, and President Zelensky never made an announcement. This, this is what I can't believe. And you're their star witness. You're their first witness. You're the guy. You're the guy. Based on this, based on, I mean, I've seen, I've seen church prayer chains that are easy to, easier to understand than this. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morris told, now, again, this is, I hereby swear and affirm from Gordon Sondland, Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison I conveyed this message to Mr. Yermak on September 1st, 2019. This all happens, by the way, this all happens, by the way, in Warsaw, where Vice President Pence meets with President Zelensky, and guess what? They didn't talk about any linkage either, end quote. Friday, the Intelligence Committee heard from former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch. She's a career foreign service officer who was removed from her position in Ukraine two months before the July 25 phone call at issue. So there's a question as to what she was doing there at all, what kind of helpful testimony she could offer. In the end, it turned out the most exciting part of her testimony wasn't her testimony at all. It was a tweet President Trump sent about half an hour after she began her testimony. In the tweet, President Trump threw shade on her, and Democrats immediately refocused the hearing on the tweet and how it represented what they called witness intimidation. Later Friday, after the public hearing, the committee reassembled in private to hear closed-door testimony from David Holmes, the staffer for Ambassador Taylor, who claimed to have overheard a Sondland-Trump phone call on July 26. According to leaks of his testimony, he confirmed Taylor's Wednesday testimony about the July 26 Sondland-Trump phone call. This could be a problem. President Trump has denied this phone call took place, and Ambassador Sondland did not say anything about this phone call during his earlier closed-door testimony. I imagine this is going to be a matter of some interest for Congressman Schiff and his colleagues during Sondland's public testimony on Wednesday. On Saturday, that is yesterday, the House Intelligence Committee released the transcript of the closed-door testimony offered by former NSC official Tim Morrison. This is testimony that Congressman Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows have been pushing hard to have released, and it's easy to see why. Morrison's testimony countered an awful lot of what the Intelligence Committee had heard earlier. 
Morrison testified to the following. He did not believe anything improper occurred on the July 25th call between the two presidents. He said that the electronic record of the call was complete and accurate. He was not concerned about the substance of what was discussed on the call, only that the transcript might leak. He was told by NSC lawyer John Eisenberg that the July 25 call record mistakenly ended up on the highly classified system, thereby rejecting the Democrats' allegation of an attempted cover-up. He said that he purposely kept Lieutenant Colonel Vindman out of the loop on this matter because he had concerns about Vindman's judgment. This week, the intelligence community will hold five different hearings, two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, and one on Thursday. On Tuesday morning, the witnesses will be Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who works on the NSC staff, and Jennifer Williams, who works as a foreign policy aide to Vice President Mike Pence. On Tuesday afternoon, the witnesses will be Ambassador Kurt Volker and former NSC aide Tim Morrison. On Wednesday morning, the witness will the witness will be Ambassador Gordon Sondland. On Wednesday afternoon, the witnesses will be Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense Laura Cooper and Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs David Hale. On Thursday, the witness will be former NSC staffer Fiona Hill. The fundamental facts have not changed, and these are the four points that the administration wants us to keep driving. First. At the time of the call between the two presidents, there was no explicit linkage made between launching of any investigations and delivery of U.S. military assistance. Second, both presidents insist there was no pressure placed on President Zelensky by President Trump during their phone call. Third, at the time of the president's phone call, Ukrainian leaders did not know the aid had been delayed. Fourth, and finally, Ukraine received the military aid without any Ukrainian making any kind of public announcement regarding the launching of any investigations. Finally, to the spending front, on Thursday, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin met with Speaker Pelosi and top appropriators in what both sides later said was a productive meeting aimed at broaching the conflict over spending. Reported Politico, quote, Leaders of both parties are now discussing ways to punt a decision on Trump's border wall for as long as possible while starting work on funding bills besides the contentious Department of Homeland Security bill. Republicans appear willing to set aside discussing the wall for now in hopes of achieving the bipartisan goal of finalizing the allocations, a senior Democratic aide said after the meeting. One idea is to use emergency cash to pay for bipartisan initiatives like the VA Mission Act, a new veterans program that Trump himself has championed, that could free up some money for DHS. End quote. And that's the end of our Washington report for this week.